of the stack pack. Perhaps you can help solve a mystery. I was, I was doing my impression of that terrible, like, TikTok robot voice that everybody uses for all the oh, videos. Yeah. It's because it's just uh, speech, speech enabled. I don't, I, 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 the voice creeps me out. I'm, I'm sure it's amazing. It's got to be great for people that are, like, blind and stuff, but I, the voice creeps me out. <laughs> You know what else creeps me out? This motel resident. Oh. <laughs> motel resident. Oh, we're going to talk about her, baby. Oh, my gosh. And uh, what did you call him? Asian Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of Asian kids. Oh, I've got so many questions. we got to just jump into it. Yeah, so uh, first off, we have to let everybody know that it's uh, December 1992 in the world of our podcast. Um, it's Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas 92 today on the pod. Uh, it's season five, episode 14 of the original Unsolved Mysteries, hosted by the great Robert Stack. Watch it on YouTube. Watch it on IMDb TV via Amazon Prime, blah, blah, blah. Watch it on Tubi. I'm sure it's other places. Oh, the good old days when gasoline only cost 18 cents a gallon. Was it 18? I thought it was 80. I don't know. It's something ridiculously oh, cheap compared to right cheap. now. Oh, you yeah. guys caught a gas sign? I must have missed that. Right now, you can't even get it. Dude, I watched a TikTok video of a lady filling garbage bags up with gasoline. Garbage bags? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Damn, I wonder what Facebook I post she got that really from. I really hope that bag ripped open in her trunk on the way home. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> terrible. There's a reason why they sell gas cans. Right? Invest $5. Put your gallon in something safe. Um, Jeez. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's Christmas 92. The gas prices are cheap. Um, Bush uh, <laughs> Sr. is the president. Oh, we, uh, we all love Bush. <laughs> love me some Bush. What, what else happened in 1992? Wild um, Bush or trimmed Bush? Wild. Oh, baby, I like that native. Oh, man. I remember my grandpa when I was like a little kid. He showed me a, uh, like a he used to get like emails like in the early days of email, and it was literally like ladies with their that rose their skirt and said "Vote Bush," and you could just see their pubic hair. <laughs> it's not like these girls today who are waxed, vaxed, and waiting for their income tax. Mm. Yeah, mm. I wouldn't want to be yeah. Bush or no Bush, man. If you're, yeah, if you're a George W. Bush, I, I think I'll pass. If you're a fan of George W., <laughs> the sweet war, the sweet, the sweetest war criminal <laughs> that we've ever had is our president. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I guess they're all war. I don't know why we're laughing. That's not funny. No, lots of people died. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, yeah. So '92, uh, Cold War is going on. Um. Jurassic Park is about I mean, to be in not theaters. Wrong. I think Jurassic uh, Park was 94. What happened in 92? Oh, Just one movie. I'm trying to think of one movie that I know for a fact came out in 92, and I can't. Oh, it's pissing me off. Like, I feel like that's a year. <laughs> that's a year. That existed, right? There's no it Matrix. It definitely existed. Um, oh, so we got, ooh, Batman Returns. Oh, of course. God damn it. Oh, my cousin the Vinny. ultimate Christmas movie, right? Yeah, my favorite Christmas movie, <laughs> Batman Returns. My cousin it came Vinny out in May. Casino Man, Reservoir Dogs. Did did oh, it really? Yeah. Oh, I remember Batman Returns. I don't remember it being coming out in May. That's yeah, weird. It's dumb. It's weird. It came out in May. It was filmed for Sh- Christmas. Should have been ninety one Christmas time. So, fun fact, my mom used to take me out of school early to watch all the the Batman movies with Michael Keaton. And actually later, also Val Kilmer and George Clooney. It was like our thing, the first day it came out. Uh, Batman Returns is, it's amazing that movie exists because it is so gross and perverted and fucking weird. It's it's awesome. Basic Instinct. I, I just was watching a video today about the worst movies to come out in the last 20 years, and apparently they did a a basic instinct sequel for some reason with Sharon Stone, like 16 years later did not do well. Oh, she came back. What was the oh, other yeah. movie you said that came out in 92? Um, also- uh, My cousin Vinny and Sino man reservoir dogs. Reservoir dogs. Yeah. That's another three ninjas. Classic. Oh, the original three what? ninjas. Yeah. Oh yeah. Rocky loves Emily. 
Rocky lives. Oh, it's a great movie. Um, I love when they put laxatives in the bad guys' cokes and they poop. Oh, do they poop? Oh, do they poop? Oh, do those stumbling '90s idiots poop? And the and I always remember how the coke looked kind of milky, but still like carbonated. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's a hilarious <laughs> oh, uh, movie. A League of Their Own also came out in '92. Uh, okay. This is <laughs> this fastly diverged. <laughs> I like I like a drunk Tom Hanks as coach. Okay, so yeah, like I said, Christmas 1992, and this first case, we'll just jump right through it, because it's real sad. But then it's not? I don't know. We're going to talk about patron saints of finding your keys and shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) Patron saints of finding your keys? (laughs) Even at Christmas time, it is easy to doubt the possibility of miracles, unless you believe you have experienced one. The McGivern family of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, never imagined that they would be chosen to receive such a gift. Their remarkable story began during the Christmas season ten years ago, on the day seven-year-old Chucky McGivern came home early from school with a case of the chicken pox. And it only gets progressively worse from there. The day later, he's in a he loses consciousness, slips into a coma, and they have to take him to uh, the hospital where he has a stable. Sorry, where he has a swollen brain. Um, and the hospital um, are able to get him stabilized after a while. The mom talks about how he looked uh, like he was dead. She she talks about his hard skin. She mentions, and that he was cold and pure white. She also mentions a bolt sticking out of his head multiple times, which is like, damn, we're like, when the fuck did that happen? Well, they probably had to like go in and I don't know. They did something in his brain. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, what he had was called Ray's syndrome. Yeah, is that is that still a thing? I'm really bothered when doctors say, honestly, I need to tell you this. Like, all right, if you're telling me honestly now, like, when the fuck have you been lying to me? Been lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably right, just that. That's actor speak. That's an ad lib. Or it's just like the, the doctor on uh, Arrested Development. Just the worst at giving news. I need um, to be honest with you. Like, ah, oh, shit, you've been lying to me this whole time? Fuck. So, Ray's syndrome's a super rare disease, and uh, apparently it affects the nervous system, the brain, and the liver. And they, yeah, they they gave, they honestly told the parents that there was a slim chance he'd survive. Um, And they said even kids that do have brain damage. It's also very unique to children. I didn't specify that, but it's uh, something that only happens to kids. Um. So Nancy and Chuck Sr. just pretty much moved into the hospital. Family members came and got, went, and they would uh, give them religious medals and trinkets and, you know, help them pray. And uh, one cousin or somebody gives gives a, a, the mom a uh, St. John Newman, uh, who was the patron saint of vocations. This cousin gave... Um, the mom, a medal that had St. John Newman. And he said, he talks about how he got in a car crash in Italy and he thinks he wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for that. So yeah, that the, the pendant or whatever gave him good luck. Yeah. And a little bit about St. John Newman. He died in 1860. He was the fourth archbishop of Philadelphia and he was, he's considered the first American male saint because he, uh, you know, did his thing in America. In 1923, uh, there's a little girl who there are reports that somebody put a metal, a pendant of St. John on her, like be- by her bed, and she was cured of parent- peritonitis. Um, Where have, what have I heard that before? What is peritonitis? I've heard that. It, it's, uh, I looked it up, but only for the spelling, and um, I didn't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was like, I don't want to read about a disease. Uh, uh, this is scary. So Nancy pins. Um, so with all this information, Nancy pins the relics right by her son's head. You know, thinking that it's a brain syndrome. So put it by the head. Um, and they also say they weren't really religious either. They they did start in going to church and praying hard. You know, and all this stuff happened at Little Chucky. Um, but it didn't help at first. His lungs had collapsed, and uh, the pneumonia had set in. Really bad. The mom even overheard nurses saying that, that he wasn't going to make it. And that's, uh, that really broke her heart. Um, until the St. John pendant, a uh, little mystery started happening. 
the mom went in one day and the St. John pendant was faced the other way, which was weird. So yeah, she, that is weird. She had to unpin it and like move the little keychain up, like physically take it off so it would be facing the other way. And when she left and came back again, it, w- it was back facing the pillow. So she thought that was a little odd. And then later she found a, someone that someone had taped a picture of St. John Newman himself, like just in the room, and she couldn't figure out who did it. Nobody admitted yeah, to it. Nobody, yeah, that was weird too. And then this is where the creepy, spooky boy comes in uh, to play. The whole family's waiting in the waiting room. Asian Potter? Yeah. Um, They're all chilling, waiting in the waiting room when uh, a boy walks in and just kind of like looks at the family. The whole family just sits, stands there and looks and then kind of, at the end, he kind of gives a smile and then he leaves. And then later the nurses tell the dad that a, a boy came in to visit Chucky they were like, how'd you even get in here? Because he was in one of the more secure wings of the uh, hospital. Um, and he was just like, I just wanted to see Chucky. And he kind of ran off in the doctor that chased him. And then in Ackman, at least, he was nowhere to be seen. And then comes in uh, Father Robert Roncase. Fun name. Um, and he just, he heard about this boy and how sick he was. And he just felt that he had to give him the sacrament of the sick. Which I guess is his like final rites, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess he must have been really bad for him to like. What I'm, I'm guessing the hospital called and keeps. Well, he says that he like read about it. He heard about it and he came immediately. Like he just felt like he had to come. Huh. But maybe that's a more. Maybe that's just a better story. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, like I so I guess somebody allowed him to do it. Um, and he explains that he had he felt an overwhelming presence of a spirit when he was praying over the boy, and then soon after the boy started to get better. Like in one day, he went from like straight coma to like sitting up talking to people, and he talked about these dreams. And he said there was a lot of Asian kids in his room, giving him all sorts of different presents. But at the in the middle was one. Um, Harry Potter looking <laughs> boy who was kind of the, like at, at first I thought I thought he was handing him like a small saw and I was like oh no it's like a bow and arrow that he's like handing the little boy Here's it saw. looked like 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 a small like hand saw cut yourself free <laughs> I was like fuck they're putting him to work and um yeah the dream kids are like giving him presents and stuff they're giving presents to the dream child. He described the boy um, in his dream being his best friend. Like he felt that it was his best friend and that he was giving him strength and stuff. And the creepiest part of this episode is when the little boy says, the little ghost boy says, everything is going to be all right, Chucky. And and it's kind of like weirdly low for like a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> it's freaking creepy. Everything is going to be all right, Chucky. Yeah, Don't you sure this is supposed to be like like an angel, not is a this, demon? It's like a dream child. I thought we were getting into some Freddy Krueger territory. <laughs> You're but then, your soul, Chucky. Yeah, the Chucky comes back. Yeah, this is like a another origin could 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 have been another origin for Chucky. It could be. Everything's gonna be alright, Chucky. I know. The doctors were just amazed that uh, someone so gravely ill as Robert Stack says, could recover so fast. Uh, weeks later, they go back to the hospital and he gets a checkup and they pretty much give him a clean bill of health. They, they're like, it's like nothing happened. Um, yeah. And they didn't know what they didn't know. They, they just had no explanation. Right. So they later, I guess they're like, thanks saint, <laughs> which is so funny. Hey, thanks, I don't know. Asian Harry Potter. It's just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, to me, they're like, thanks, Saint. So they go to the shrine of St. John Newman in Philadelphia. And um, when they're looking around, the boy finds a picture. And he's like, that's my best friend. And it was St. John Newman as a child. And, um, yeah, that shit is crazy. So they're convinced that St. John Newman came in boy form and, like, saved their boy. Yeah, because if he came as a man, that'd be weird, right? I, I don't know. I guess, yeah. I guess I would have been, uh, yeah, a creepy man standing by your bed. I wouldn't feel like he was my best friend, but if, like, it was a kid. Well, I mean, in the Catholic Church, uh, I, I mean, that's. Yeah. That's yeah, kind of normal. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I just, I also just want to say that, like, 
you know, the saint saved uh, Chucky. The doctors did absolutely nothing. <laughs> no one's like, oh, man, we thanked – we hugged the nurses. You know, they did such a beautiful job with our Chucky. No one says any of that shit. The doctors worked tirelessly, you know. Nope. It was a freaking pendant. <laughs> Metals. <laughs> I guess I, – I guess – well, we don't even talk to any of the doctors, but I guess from what the family says, the doctors had no explanation as to why he got better. So no, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> but who knows? You don't. We don't know what his medical records look like. They could have given him something that made him better, but they don't talk about it. What was the purpose of this segment? Is Chucky like trying to reunite with the Archbishop? You know, they don't say. I think they're just saying that it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, this is just one of those like unexplainable yeah yeah it's not much of a mystery but i, I did think it was interesting because it did have like a kind of like uh, emotional ghost story vibes like a little bit i don't know it's a little too jesus-y for my taste if i was uh turning it turning it into a script for Guillermo del toro i'd probably I'd, I'd change the saint out to like a you know something cooler like john wilkes booth's ghost or <laughs> so terrible. When he wakes up. When he wakes up, he's not Chucky. He's someone else. Oh, he's the doll Chucky. Oh, <laughs> he's he, he's been saving these kids in hopes of changing bodies with the kids, but it never yeah. works out. So they find yeah. out that little little saint, the saint is actually kind saint of the John. villain of the piece. Is actually Saint, it's actually Saint John, but he's been trying. He was to- a fucking rapist in the eighteen hundreds. He he raped and murdered all these children, and he's been trying to fucking inhabit the body of one of these kids for hundreds of years ever since. For a hundred years, and they finally got him, dude. And, and only, no one will believe. No one. No one believes Nancy, the mom. Nobody believes her, but she knows. She knows that this ghost that she keeps seeing is trying to steal her baby. There you go, dude. This summer. <laughs> <laughs> you need to write that script, brother. Sunday, February 28th, 1988, 9 p.m. Firefighters in Odessa, Texas, were called to the scene of an untended trash fire in the parking lot of an abandoned bar. Within minutes, they discovered that in reality, they had been called to the scene of a grisly murder. Buried in the ashes was a charred body of a man who had been beaten and shot twice in the back before being set afire. So this next case we're going to be talking about is a wanted case. And it's kind of those, it's like a story that's just, it's like they're just telling you a case that's already solved. But this guy was missing, so they couldn't charge him. But it's just like, you know, they go over the meticulous details of how this dude murdered this other dude, right? And and we're just oh, like, and it was clearly him, go? for sure. Um, I mean, there was no other suspects. They were together. Multiple people saw them. Multiple people saw him by himself after they didn't see the old man. So, anyways, this is about Neil Jennings. Good old Neil Jennings, right? Fifty nine years old. Uh, February twenty eighth, nineteen. But if you ask me, well, I'll tell you at the end. All right. Um, so yeah, this <laughs> if you ask me, Neil had it coming. This one starts a trash fire in a parking lot in 1988. Um, they f- they think it's just an unattended fire, and they find the body of Neil Jennings, like we said, 59 years old. He had been hanging out with a weird dude named Bill Roberts. Uh, and a couple days before the bodies found, February 26th, they had stopped by Neil's brother's house just outside of Dallas, and they were showing him like Neil's latest project, which was this uh, like sweet hot rod they were working on. And he said that he, the two months ago, he had hired Bill to help him with the finishing touches on this car and that he'd been paying him $50 and letting him kind of stay at his house. $50 a week, he said. Yeah. And we're talking 1988. I don't know. It seems crazy. Do you think they were banging? $50 a week, 80 cents, (laughs) 80 cents a day. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Fuck. Uh, 80 cents a Wait, day? Wait, that can't be right. 80 c- oh, no, 80 cents an hour. I did 80 cents an hour. Oh, damn. That's some crazy math. That's still that's still terrible. It was like, sh- 80 cents an hour? If you if you worked, that's assuming that he worked eight hours. No wonder he killed him. Yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> he had it coming. Um, so that Friday, uh, they drove 
through the desolate barren, what do they say? The barren Texas prairie. They drive 300 miles um, from from uh, where they were outside of Dallas to Odessa. And uh, they check in at a motel at the very edge of the city. Well, uh, Odessa's not really a city. It's more of like an oil hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, so it's a, it's about 7 bucks and 15 yeah. cents a day. Ooh, you can almost what? get yourself a number one combo at McDonald's for that. Well, yeah, and t- today in El Paso where it's kind of cheap. <laughs> and that's almost. Um, yeah, this guy was getting screwed, basically. Um, so, yeah, so they check into a hotel, and that's the last time anybody sees Neil is when they check into this hotel. Um, but you forgot to mention that Neil mentions to his brother that he doesn't have enough money to pay Bill. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You don't have 50 bucks to 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 rub together to pay this poor man who he's been <laughs> having him work on his brother's and vehicle live. and live and he has no money to pay the dude everybody's everybody's spending all that money watching reservoir dogs <laughs> so in enters uh this new character named Jack now the only thing we're told about Jack is that he actually Kind of murdered Neil pretty good because he introduced Bill to Neil, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I and guess. you're complicit, Jack. Um, well, yeah, it says that he was. They they definitely were introduced and they were mutual friends. So I, yeah, I yeah. Guess. So he shows up at Jack's house. Um, he lies about Neil's whereabouts. He says that he he dropped him off at his at his old lady's house. It's, I think is, is what he says in the reenactment. And Jack says that he is sweaty. He was kind of frazzled and sweaty. and He's at some lady friend's house doing dinner or something. Yeah. Old frazzled Bill. Oh, yeah, getting dinner or something. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Bill asks Jack for a jump start. He's like, my truck's fucked. I need a jump start. And then it's weird. (laughs) He's like, sure, I'll give you a jump start. But then they say that he slept in his truck in in Jack's... uh, in back, back of Jack's yard. car. This is where we start to notice that he's putting the truck behind buildings and uh, trying to keep it out of uh, sight. So Neil lets him sleep in the truck in his backyard. Oh, and he also has a he also has a tarp. Uh, Jack that's the next that he, morning. Yeah, yeah. Bill's got a tarp in the next morning. Yeah. Well, I guess in the in the light of day, that's when he starts to notice uh, Jack's looking out his window. He sees the tarp, and he sees that uh, Bill's paying uh, close attention to it and uh, looks. Uh, Slightly uh, perturbed Fuck at what dick. might be in uh, which it makes sense that he's sleeping in the truck because he wants to be close to make sure nobody nobody sees what's in the back. Yeah. So later that day, he tries selling off Neil's truck at the crappy motel. They won't touch it. Um, they're like, it's nice, but it's not worth twelve hundred dollars. And I think they were lying too. I think they were just like, oh, just tell this weird guy whatever. What were they doing yeah. at that motel? Like when they. <laughs> Did that reenactment look like just a stack of batteries in the back of a pickup truck? <laughs> it, it, to me, yeah. it also just looked like, like, what do you think the motel does, Bill? They don't have pickaxes, and they don't have, they're not going to buy your truck. What the fuck do you think yeah. a motel is? Uh, we can let you crash here. We got a room if you pay. But no, we don't want your shitty truck. You don't buy trucks? So <laughs> You don't lend out pickaxes or, or, or shovels? What kind of motel is this? This ain't, the, this ain't the Holiday Inn. Clearly, a motel that's on the up and up. He he, he asked the he asked the motel people if uh, he could park in the back, like uh, he did um, with uh, Jack's house, and uh, and then he asks for a shovel and a pickaxe because he's gonna fix some lady's water line. Sure. <laughs> this guy sucks at lying, man. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and they're like, we don't have anything like that. Get the fuck out of here. Um, so then he heads to this corner store, um, and where a guy named Sal is working and Sal, uh, agrees to let him park behind the fucking corner store. And he's like, go ahead. And then, um, so this is Saturday night that we're on now. Um, this all happens. Uh, the motel thing is in the morning and this is later. So after he parks the truck in the back of this dude's convenience store, like 15 minutes later, um, Sal hears two gunshots off in the distance. And he's just kind of like, okay, that's weird. But, you know, we do kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. 
And his, his fucking Odessa. I don't know how, to, how bad it was then, but... Yeah. So 45 minutes later, Bill comes back all fucking frazzled again. And this time he has a large wad of cash. Oh, yeah. And he, like, pays for whatever service he got at the store. And he's like, thank you. And he's like, and he leaves. Looks like Neil ended up having that cash after all. Yeah, that's interesting. Or, what, yeah, where did he get that from? Um, so now we meet our mysterious stranger who sounds like a Cecily Strong character. The one who's always smoking. Makache, Makache. You know what I'm talking about? The motel resident. Yeah, Cecily Strong plays this kind of like white trash character. Oh, yeah, I know. On, uh, on Weekend, Weekend Update, Update. And it's, dude, this voice is identical. It's so yeah. funny. Um, so so that's the Saturday. I guess later at night he tells this lady that he, he done done the job. <laughs> he done yeah. did the job. But she says, done done it. I he said he done done the job. Saturday night he came back and uh, he said he'd done done the job. He acted real nervous. And he acted especially nervous whenever he went over there to get something out of the, the truck that had the tarp on it. The next morning, another odd encounter. Would it be okay if I did some laundry? And I noticed that blood was on his shirt. Well, I didn't think anything about it because, you know, it just looked like maybe he cut himself and wiped it off on his Once shirt. Why you call me and I'll show you how to use this washer? So I told him, okay, you know, yeah, you can use the laundry. You know what's funny is that these people were living out of the motel. <laughs> yeah, it was just normal. It was like a motel resident. It wasn't like a guest. She a noticed- guest is somebody who stays shortly and leaves. So she also um, notices blood on the shirt, uh, on Bill's shirt, and uh, and she says, maybe he cut himself. Maybe he cut himself and wiped it off on the, on the shirt, and uh, so I let him use the laundry. Maybe he cut himself. <laughs> so good. Um, so she let him use the laundry at a motel. I don't know why she needs to give permission. I don't know. Um and another uh, neighbor or person at motel noticed that there was blood on the truck itself. In the reenactment, I could have sworn the guy, the extra doing the reenactment, almost went as far as, like, licking it. Licking it? I got the same thing. Yeah. I got that. <laughs> well. Yep, that's blood. Fucking disgusting. <laughs> yep, that's Odessa for you. They'll taste the blood. Um, so eight hours later, uh, is when the police get to the trash fire scene. Um, they notice two pools of blood. They notice shotgun shell casings and waddings, which is, uh, I don't know. Dan, what's a wadding? I have no fucking clue because I don't fuck with shotguns. Damn. Last time I fucked with shotgun was when I was playing as the Terminator in Mortal Kombat 11. He uses a shotgun, and I kind of wish it was 90s Arnold, but I'm going to have to settle for newest movie, Old Man Arnold. Oh, I thought you were talking about that time that you shotgunned, you know, two White Claws earlier, did yeah. you? Yeah. I was going to say, the last, time I, the last time I fucked with a shotgun was last summer at the pool. <laughs> oh, beers. Um, Yeah, so the shotgun shell casings and wads and drag marks from the concrete parking lot to the concrete slab where he was lit on fire. The cop also stating that there's no doubt that the fatal shots happened in the parking lot, but this is Sunday. Now the day before what's weird though, is that he shoots this body, hides it in the trash heap. And I guess it's not found fast enough. And the next day he returns and lights it on fire and then gets out of there. And his motive for the murder is what they think is just so he could sell the truck and get some money. Um, which is pretty wild. And and he doesn't, and we know he doesn't sell it. Like uh, the wad of cash is kind of interesting to me. Um, so the, the term wad refers to wadding a compo- the component of a shotgun shell that is used to separate the shot, the shot from the powder. Oh, hmm. So con- contain the shotgun shot and provide a seal that prevents gas from blowing through the shot rather than propelling the shot out of the shotgun. Okay. Interesting. That's what a shotgun wad is. 
So the Blutz Wad. That's probably where that comes from. Yeah. So Neil's never seen again after Friday. Um, and the whole Saturday thing happens with the gunshots, but no one ever sees Neil. And then Sunday is when they find the fiery body. So Friday to Saturday, where was Neil? What the fuck happened? Like, yeah, was he like in the truck? Was he like tied up somewhere? Trash heap. I don't know. Well, he doesn't go out to the trash heap until Saturday. Unless those gunshots were unrelated and could be. It's fucking Odessa. Um, so, but he leaves after the, after that last visit to the motel, he fucking turns around and never comes back. His real name was Bill Blackwell. So he was lying about his name and he served time for larceny and theft. And what a cool outlaw name, Bill Blackwell. It kind of is. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't completely lying. Like he did keep his first name. (laughs) He only half lied. And he was wanted at the time, at this point, for violating his parole um, based on the theft and larceny and all that shit. Uh, so they believed he leaves Odessa and drives to Albuquerque because he does eventually sell the car, the truck, somewhere um, at like a junkyard or something. And then they just tell us, yeah, they caught him in Texas and he's serving 30 years. And that's all they give us. Yeah. In Amarillo, it looks like. That's where they booked him. That's where his booking photo was. Oh, wow. He was arrested in North Carolina in 2006 under the name of John Downey, but was released before the police checked his fingerprints. But then again, he was arrested in Universal City, Texas in September. No, in January, sorry, of 2007. And in September 2008, he pleaded guilty for first degree murder. And was sentenced. Crazy. Wild. Damn. So he fucking, so he pled guilty to this. Damn, that's crazy. So he didn't get caught until fucking, damn, that's like, that's like 12 years later. His full name is William Harrison Blackwell. Damn. So this, yeah, that guy's old. He gonna die in prison. Fuck this guy. But at the same time. I really, I want to know more of the story. <laughs> yeah, where was he? What was he up to? Why did he kill this dude? <laughs> Let, let's do, let's commit a heinous crime. Let's write him. See if we can get locked up. Let's just write him. Oh yeah, you could write him. I guess you could do that too. Why'd you do it? Why'd you do it? Um, so this next case is a real wild one um, that I wish we had more information on. Um, oh, this one bums me out so much. Yeah, this is a missing persons case out of Gallup, New Mexico, um, which is Navajo territory. And we're talking about nine-year-old uh, Navajo girl, Anthonette Cayadito. Um, she, if cases like, uh, I, before we start, if cases like this interest you guys, you guys should listen to uh, Truth or Consequences, which is a podcast out of New Mexico hosted by a guy. A uh, really cool guy named Eric Carter Landine, I think, and uh, he does he does missing people specifically in New Mexico, and it kind of all started because of his uh, his brother was uh, murdered when he was a toddler by their like then like stepfather or something along those lines, and what? he's never been charged for it, and like they like they they do like a. A thing every year where they try to contact the DA and they try to reopen the case because wait, 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 wait. the th- his brother was a toddler or his brother was a toddler and was apparently abused at, so bad that he died and the stepdad was never charged for it. I th- I think that's is the so essential fucked. gist of it. Um, but that's so fucked. Yeah, but that started his like crusade and he yeah he's always on the news and stuff. He I mean <laughs> it's much different than us, but he's a really nice guy. I've talked to him on the internet and stuff. Oh. Yeah, this guy's actually like making a difference. Yeah, <laughs> we're just kind of sitting around. But yeah, true, true consequences. I think is what it's called. True consequences, um, which is there's a name, a city called Truth or Consequences that has a pretty weird connection to the Toy Box Killer. So yeah, there's lots of uh, weird true crimey uh, missing people and st- stories like that in uh, uh, in TRC. In, yeah, in the, in the Southwest area in general. And this is this is also you know people are talking about missing and murdered 
uh, native gr- women. Uh, it's been coming up a lot in the news. Like a bunch of people's messages got like a bunch of people were spreading awareness about it's it's the hashtag is MMIW. So it's missing and murdered indigenous women. And, mm. you know, every now and then, you know, people try to raise awareness of this because, you know, there's lots of cases like there's this one podcast missing and murdered is the podcast about um, they focus on one girl. But it's about this long stretch of highway in Canada where just native indigenous women's bodies were like dumped along the, crazy. the roadway and, you know, never properly investigated because of, you know, obvious racism and shit like that. Um, but yeah, cause the media and stuff, they only actually like yeah, investigate when like John Benet Ramsey's and shit. <laughs> well, used to, I think it's, it's, it's definitely getting better. We're, we're talking about seventies and eighties here. Um, but the, uh, yeah. But anyway, these people were like spreading awareness of this and a bunch of their posts got taken down. Like there was nothing offensive. It was just like, you know, awareness, of hashtag, it, like anything that had a hashtag MMIW was like taken was this down on Twitter or on, on, Facebook? on Instagram. But I think it was on a, I think it was just on Instagram. I'm not sure, but yeah, really weird. It might've been Twitter because I see a lot of people's stuff on, on Instagram from other social medias, but it's yeah. kind of weird. Um, but yeah, this is uh, we're gonna highlight one of these uh, missing. We don't know if she's been murdered, but a uh, indigenous girl, little girl. It's really sad. Gallup, New Mexico, 140 miles west of Albuquerque, lies within what was for centuries the territory of the Navajo Indian Nation. On April 6, 1986, this quiet community of 18,000 was rocked by the mysterious disappearance of a nine-year-old Navajo girl, Antoinette Cayadito. Mom and the sisters wake up like normal and the, they can't find her. And that's when, you know, the panic sets in. Neighbors and police looked around the area for three days and, you know, they, they canvassed the surrounding foothills and they couldn't, they couldn't find any trace of, uh, Anthonette. A year passes by with still nothing new when they get this, uh, when 911 gets a terrifying call from a little girl. I'm actually going to play it for you guys here so you can hear it. I listened to that tape over and over and over. And just by the way she says her last name... And the way she screamed sent chills all over my body. Because a mother knows, and I know that was her. It's a really creepy thing. And uh, in the episode, they play it over and over, and you see the mom listening to it. And Anthonette, with the TH, is a very different name. Um, but yeah, she says the way the, girl, the little girl said her last name, and the way she kind of screams at the end of the call when that person it doesn't sound like the person says like who told you you could use the phone or something yeah yeah that's what they say it's i it's creepy i can't imagine being a parent and having your child missing and then years later or like a year like yeah that. That at this point it was just one year but torture i know she's still a little girl I, it's fucked up so now we cut to four years later um when the fbi has released two computer enhanced images which it just looks like they just took pictures of her and made her face longer. Yeah. Um, stretched her out. And with this came a weird sighting, uh, that this waitress had in Carson city, Nevada. Uh, this is an interesting story. She waits on a table with, uh, two younger adults, right? And, yeah. And they looked disheveled and they were also sitting, uh, also with them was a, a, a little girl between 13 and 14 lady guest. And she kept doing this weird thing of dropping her fork. And when, when the waitress would pick it up, she would like grasp the waitress's hand, like hold it. And then, you know, it was a little weird, but she just kind of, you know, went on with her day. Didn't think much of it until she's cleaning up the table after they leave. And on a napkin that's under her, her food plate, um, it was written, uh, please help me call the police was written on the napkin. And by that time, you know, they're long gone, so it couldn't really do anything. Yeah, that's terrifying, too, regardless of if it's connected or not. Right? Yeah, that's another interesting thing. It could have just been some other girl in distress. 
now it's another year later. It's been five years now when uh, they go and talk to the sister, Wendy, again, see if they can get anything else out of her. And then she tells them about the night, and she says she was too scared to tell the story originally, but she says that someone knocked on the door, uh, Anthonette answered, and uh, but only after somebody said, it's your Uncle Joe. She, she, was, she was weary at first, smartly. So she really did have an Uncle Joe, which is why she opened the door. Yeah. So when Antoinette opens the door, this person grabs her and takes her to what the little girl said was a brown van while she's, like, kicking and screaming. And she says she just didn't tell her mom because she didn't want to get in trouble. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's like, fucking selfish little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Five years old. Yeah. Like, uh, that's some pertinent information. It's really annoying. It's your fault. Yeah, Um, it's very annoying. Yeah. Because I was like, remember, I was like, she wanted to protect her mom because her mom was crying. And I was like, oh, wait, she just literally says because she didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, But I guess that is probably the only thing you'd be frightened about when you're that young. As a five-year-old, you mean, you don't know. And the investigator believes her story. He doesn't think that she was lying about this. Um, And they do say that Penny's brother-in-law would have been the Uncle Joe that they were talking about. And that he had an alibi and was not a suspect. Whatever that means. They think that it, it it's not necessarily a family member, but someone that definitely knows the family. Because if they would have known that this little girl has an uncle Joe, they would have to have some sort of yeah. Uh, no, but I mean it's pretty it's pretty generic name. But I mean I, that's it's a little weird and specific. Yeah, I guess that's true. So they actually end up going to a Navajo medicine woman, and she does a centuries old traditional tribal ceremony that's uh, in English translates to uh, the crystal ritual. And basically, the purpose of this is it's supposed to contact the spirit of a missing person. And with this, she, uh, the medicine woman tells them that uh, she's most likely still alive and somewhere in the southwest. And that she might have a child. Which is, and that she's being held against her will and stuff. And some of the stuff that she said coincided with the police's investigation, with the police investigation. So, and I guess they just didn't, don't want to be too specific with it. Um, yeah. And for giving away pertinent information to the case. Um, and yeah, this case is completely still unsolved. Like they still have no idea where she is. No idea if that phone call was real. No idea. They got nothing. No leads. Um, the only thing I was able to find out was that the mom died in 1999. Oh, that's... And she pretty much drank herself to death. Oh. And her younger sister was, like, in and out of, I guess, like, the juvenile system mm-hmm. for being, like, into gangs and drugs and all this other stuff, but has since then gotten her life around and... Is, like, happy with kids and stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so such a bummer. So it just destroyed this family. God, I, I did a general search, and there was like that's all I could find. There was no like updates of like any additional sightings or or nothing. I mean, I think she has a Wikipedia page that has some interesting things, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what we gleaned from it. Super sad. All right, the last case is this little quick lost loves about these. Uh, these cute retired, this cute retired couple that lived in Florida. They were a retired couple living on a fixed income. Yeah, that went on unsolved mysteries for a for a not so humble brag. <laughs> well, I think they were being pretty humble about they it. They were completely humble. They, <laughs> I feel like they just really wanted to like say they really just wanted to say thank you. Uh, the husband was a firefighter who had a heart attack, so he had to uh, retire and. The wife was actually a cancer survivor, and that had actually uh, emptied their accounts quite a bit. So they were pretty much struggling. Um, His his name was Russell Johnson, and I forget her name. Hold on. The Johnsons. (laughs) The Johnsons. So um, this story takes place in winter 85. Uh, Super warm and humid day, and uh, Russell's working in his garage when uh, his wife comes in kind of startled. And she said that there's like a man outside and kind of frightened her. So he opens the garage and talks to the man. And the man says that he, he wants to know if he can do some work for some food. And, uh, you know, they they make him a sandwich. They had just gotten some stuff from the grocery store. Uh, so they were happy to help. And they gave him a glass of iced tea. 
but and uh, like at this, like we were saying at this time, they were pretty broke, you know. But they had, you know, they could offer him some sandwiches, you know. He asks for. He doesn't really ask for anything. He asks for, like you said, he asks for uh, work for some money, yeah, or, or for food, and uh, they end up giving him some sandwiches and some iced tea, and they just kind of kick it outside for a little bit. Yeah. Which, in Florida, it's hot, man. Kicking it outside in a, <laughs> on a patio and some folding chairs. He, he tells him that he's from Houston, and Russell can tell that the man's not a bum, is what he says. You know, he was very well-spoken and stuff. Um, he also chuckles when he says that he had about three sandwiches before he... Uh, yeah, before before he said anything, and after that, he was pretty much too tired to talk anyway. So he just kind of sat up there, like you like you said, and just kept him company. And then uh, he started to leave, and they kind of scrounged together like five dollars and loose change, and you know, just some stuff they had. They, they he estimated that he gave him around five dollars, but he had some change, and there was like a couple loose bucks and some other change that his wife ran out and got. And, um, yeah, they were just like, you know, get yourself another meal later. You probably, you know, you need this more than we do. And they actually did actually <laughs> need it. Yeah. And they, 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 like you said, he wasn't a bum. He was just down on his luck. Yeah. And he really appreciated, like the money I think was another thing, like the food and the kindness, but when these people gave him money, he, his face kind of lit up and stuff. And then he said, uh. He said, God bless you. You know, he, and they said a very strange feeling came over them and they felt all nice and warm. And then they kind of went outside. They went around the house um, to their balcony so they could uh, wave bye to him. And then he shrunk and grew wings and flew away. Oh, shrunk and Actually, grew wings? no. That's when he shat on their lawn. <laughs> oh, that's why they couldn't see him? Because <laughs> he was shitting on the lawn. Like, we looked and looked everywhere, but it was just too too high, and he was just bent all, over. All those sandwiches. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're just like, you know, there was no, there was, he was nowhere to be seen. They even why went outside. Why did you have to eat three? <laughs> they even went outside and looked around, and they were like, all they saw was just a large human shit on their lawn. <laughs> Gene, did a bear come through here? Was this an alligator? <laughs> it is Florida. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, in all seriousness, they went outside again um, to look you know, around, look down the street, and even in the reenactment. By the way, these guys both take a star turn because they play themselves. In the yeah, it was great. I liked it. And uh, you hear them in the reenactment say, like, are we losing it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So this guy essentially disappeared, or probably not, but it, whatever. It, it's cool. Um, and they joked that they had been visited by an angel. Ha 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 ha. And then 10 days before Christmas, they get a check for $500 and all it says is love your Christian friends. And it's just like a typical little, uh, you know, Christmas card with like a little tree seasons, greetings, whatever. And this, but that's not all. And this money really, there's more. Yeah. The check for $500. I said that right. <laughs> but more. And she was crying and crying, and, she, you know, they really needed that movie. He, he explains that it was a, quite the opportune time for them because they didn't have much. Um, he really needed that movie? Yeah, I heard that, too. I didn't know if I was, I didn't know if I was, I didn't know if I was losing it. I didn't know the, the, the guy was an inspiring actor. I'm glad he booked it. <laughs> inspiring actor? Did you say inspiring actor? <laughs> All right, I fucked up. Yeah, you guys both screwed up. <laughs> Oh God! We I no just words. I just can't get over the fact that like Dan pointed out that he could have been shitting on their lawn. Like, <laughs> could have been just been shitting on the lawn. You don't know. Yeah. I mean, he did have three sandwiches, <laughs> smoky style from Friday. Like he's gonna have to a shit somewhere. <laughs> Uh, so they take the they take the check to the bank and just just you know they gave it to the banker being like we're not even sure if this is real we don't know who it came from and they're like yeah sure it's good how do you want it and they put it in their account and they asked their friends and family and nobody admitted to it and uh, for five whole years every Christmas they got five a check for five hundred dollars and uh, yeah it they just wanted they want to say thank you they want they they assume it's the man that they helped. But it's the only thing he like. He even says he's not sure they're connected. <laughs> he's like, we don't really know if there's a connection. What if it was just like someone sending the checks to like the wrong house? <laughs> oh, imagine! 
five years in a row? <laughs> but we would like to say thank you to somebody. It was a gift well received. Did the Johnsons experience a Christmas miracle? Perhaps. Or perhaps they simply experienced the everyday miracle of kindness, which is never out of season. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, it's probably God or something. I don't know. What's the answer? Uh, super drunk fucking rich guy uh, or... goes on a bender and has nothing. And then someone gives him a sandwich. And then when he goes back to the big city of Orlando, he just starts sending them uh, checks on their birthday. Checks. Uh, I think it's going to be, I have my money on Asian Harry Potter. Oh, uh, again? Yeah. He wasn't even, dude. So I feel like we're like, cold, we're, we're do, it's, are we doing a racist? Because St. John Newman is very un-Asian. No, but the actor looked Asian and then the boy did specify in his dream that he was surrounded by Asian children. Asian so children. I, yeah. Like that's I don't think we're being like <laughs> culturally insensitive. Yeah, no. They 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 yeah, there's a reason for for our dumb jokes. Yeah. And the wig that kid was wearing was fucking awful. Oh, dear. oh my god, it was rough. Uh yeah. Um and when he says it's terrifying fucking fine but anyway uh i digress uh, merry christmas guys your soul. merry christmas in may Ch- your chucky soul is mine <laughs> um, anyway uh yeah thanks for hanging out with us guys uh stack pack stacking and packing and uh we'll see you next week yeah, Merry Christmas. Uh, n- next week is the start of 1993, so that'll be fun. And it's not Christmas. Mm-hmm. You can listen to this one on Christmas. It'll be fun. Um, even though it's not nothing really Christmassy besides Robert Stack talking behind a Christmas tree. <laughs> and some of them, you know. And, and the Johnsons getting money bef- on during Christmas. Yeah. For five years. Oh, and <laughs> that super sick boy got really yeah. sick on Christmas. <laughs> so let's celebrate. He's better now. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks so much. We love you. Uh, I'm David. That's Eli. And that's uh, Dan. And I'm Dan. Thank you, boys. For every mystery, there's someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is listening. And perhaps that someone is you. Good night. And uh, 